The Victory Formation podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! Yeah, we both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You're supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat, get anything you want. That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What's up, everybody? It is Friday, February 18th. And it's a pretty slow sports week, Finn. Not a ton going on after the Super Bowl here. Yeah, the sports are dying down. You got to adjust your eyes from football to round ball on the hard court so yeah it's well, it's tough for diehard football fans like you and i so what do we do eric it, it's really tough uh i'm gonna salvage this last opportunity to wrap up the Rams super bowl parade and some some cleanup on some storylines coming out of the game um first sean mcveigh is coming back uh he was chanting uh run it back at the parade and i think it was exactly what i said on the show on monday he just felt like he was burnt out a little bit and probably said those things right after the game because of how much he poured into it. He also did not have a great coaching game. We didn't really hit on that, but his game plan didn't really work and he didn't adjust till late in the game, but they're coming back. The attendance at the parade, everything we expected from LA, like no one showed up. Uh, It was pretty embarrassing. It looked like the Trump inauguration photos, like just no one was there. Uh, kind of a bummer for those guys, but it didn't seem like Matt Stafford cared because that dude was fucking hammered all day. Tom Brady tweeted at him, mix in some water. And uh, he had a pretty catastrophic PR moment during this. I don't know if you caught that. I heard a little bit about it, but ugh, bad situation. What'd he do? So he's getting his picture taken by a camera girl on stage next to his wife. And the camera girl falls off the stage. And it was a pretty high stage on a concrete. And Stafford, as he's turning around, goes, take care of this to his wife. And his wife looks like absolutely shocked. And Stafford looks unbothered. And he just starts sipping his water bottle. And people got really upset because that girl did break her spine uh, when she fell. It was a pretty serious injury. She broke some vertebrae. And people were like, oh, that's a cold reaction. He's like, clearly not a good guy. I just want to say a couple things. One, he was hammered. So he was like, I don't have time to deal with this. And he's celebrating a Super Bowl he just won. That's not a defense of not checking in on someone. It's just the reality of where his mind was at. And second, he's a football player. I mean, he sees gruesome injuries all the time. He's probably pretty desensitized to it. Again, like, should he have checked in 100%? That would have been the right move to do. But his wife did, and they're going to pay for the Staffords, that is, all of that woman's medical bills going forward uh, because of the injury. It wasn't his fault what happened. She just 
wasn't paying attention to where she was on the stage and fell. So I think the negative reaction is being completely overblown. I also think the insane defenses of Stafford on Twitter are completely overblown. Like people caping for him saying, oh, he was just turning around to get medical professionals or making up alternate reality situations for it. One way or another, I, I don't think this matters. And I, don't, I think it's gotten way too much attention online and in the, the media circle. God, it's like, it's such an unfortunate event to happen at, at a parade like that. I mean, would you want an, an absolutely obliterated drunk guy trying to help you out when your like back is broken? Like, I don't know what Stafford could have do. Could he have handled it better? Yeah. If I was blacked out after I just won the Super Bowl, would I have handled it any different? No, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have. I mean, he, there's a good possibility. He didn't even know what the fuck was going on. Like, if you're that drunk and he couldn't even speak when he was at the podium, he sounded like Joe Biden trying to give an address. It just words were not coming out that made sense. He, um, you know, it's not a great look for him, but again, he's hammered. He's celebrating something he's chased his entire career and the take care of it to his wife isn't a good look, but his wife did take care of it and they're going to pay for everything. So I don't really know what the issue is here. I it's kind of on the girl who fell. I'm not, fall shaming her if that's even a thing at this point but um yeah it's her fault like as someone who is a cameraman you always have to know your surroundings and know where you are on a stage and falling off of a stage I I get it taking action photos is really difficult you want to capture a moment get a shot but you have to be aware of your surroundings I've done shoots on stage with bands before um that's on her man and the fact that they're paying for everything I think this story just needs to go away yeah, it's, I don't know, like, what are people saying about, like, are, are people, like, really bashing Stafford that bad? Yeah, there's two camps right now. There, there's people that are like, oh, my God, how could he be so cold and callous? Like, he must be a terrible person, which if you've listened to anything he's ever said or followed anything he's ever done, he's not. He's a genuinely good dude. And there's another camp of people that are caping for him online and, like, really defending him hard, like, well, in this is situation, you can't do that. I saw some people saying if he went down to help her, he could be sued for touching her or he could even be like accused of sexual assault. I saw some incels saying that those people need to shut the fuck up and go away. Like, no, like, no, all of your points are invalid, but that doesn't validate people saying he's a bad person because he isn't. And they are doing the right thing here. And it was a drunk guy reacting to a situation kind of like, I don't have to deal with this. And he's not wrong. He really didn't have to deal with that. So I think it's a non-issue. Yeah. More people should hang out in the middle and just be like, Hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, It's a bad situation. What is he supposed to do? It's not ideal, but it's her fault. So. Then what about Aaron Donald, dude? What talk (laughs) about an animal. Like that guy's just a beast. You took a shirt off during that celebration. And I swear to God, there is not a man on earth that I am more scared of than Aaron Donald. Like maybe Derrick Henry, but it doesn't seem like Derrick Henry wants to rip my head off and drink my blood. Like Aaron Donald might do that. And he's terrifying. It's so cool to see how happy he was. I watched the mic'd up segment NFL films put out. It's like 40 minutes. It is a spectacular summary of the Super Bowl. And at the end, like Donald's crying, he's hugging people, he's elated. 
he the moment he has with McVeigh after he forces Burrow to make that throw before that play McVeigh's bent over on the sidelines like Aaron's about to make this play I know Aaron's about to make this play and he's clearly nervous and then Aaron makes the play and McVeigh sprints down the sidelines to find him and they embrace and hug and it was just a really cool moment I feel really good for him he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time he'll definitely go down as the iconic defensive player from this generation the 2010s to 2020s or 2015 to 2025 wherever you want to put him doesn't really matter he is the pinnacle of success at a position on defense and uh it feels really good to see him get his his due talk about a defensive end that has a six-pack hell yeah dude he looks like he was chiseled by michelangelo like it's fucking wild god (sighs) yeah other just clean up notes from the game Odell did tear his ACL and there's a point in that mic'd up where Stafford, they cut to him and it's like right after the play. And I forget one of the linemen are like, what happened? And Stafford just looks at him and goes non-contact. I think he tore it. And I thought that was really interesting. Cause like, I think at sitting at home, we all kind of said the same thing. Like, Oh, that's non-contact. That's not good. And like a player on the field validating that um, was a cool moment. I feel bad for Odell. I mean, he was overcome with emotion. He was swagged out going into the game hype. After the first touchdown, he uh, went over to Stafford and was like, you should wear number 10 because you're throwing dimes, like referring to Eli. And Stafford was like, well, where do you like that ball? And he's like, well, Eli used to throw it in the same spot. So I love that. Like you could tell he still loves Eli, which is awesome because Eli's the best. And uh, he, I felt bad I, watching the mic up. He was so ready to go and so locked in. I felt really bad for him, but he was elated after the game. And again, I, I think there's a good chance he ends up back in LA next year. I mean, that'd be the best business decision for him. Yeah. Sign back with the team that just won, but like, is he even going to be healthy by then? Like, No. So that's the kicker is he's a free agent and he probably won't be able to play till at least like week eight or nine at the earliest. Now, we've seen some crazy ACL rehabs and Achilles rehab. Shout out Cam Akers. I don't want to rule anything out, but I wouldn't be surprised if Odell signs a one-year prove-it deal with LA. And I don't think anyone's going to throw a ton of money at him now on a multi-year deal. So if he's going to sign a one-year prove-it deal somewhere, why not take a few less million, add some incentives, which he hit every incentive in his contract this year uh, with LA. So I, it could happen. I. I think it's it's probable at this point. That's the same knee that he tore before too, right? Yeah, his right knee. Oh, yeah, it's not good. But I I don't know how to rate ACL tears anymore because guys have multiple. Like Adrian Peterson had multiples. He came back and looked great for his whole career. Like guys do it. Joe Burrow looked great running around this year. He tore it last year. So I don't know. Anything can happen. I mean. Was Todd Gurley had two ACL tears in college and played five really good seasons in the NFL at a demanding position. So you, you can come back and still play fine. Definitely. But then what, what happened to, to Burrow? I mean, yeah. his knee, his knee looked a little suspect. What's so the update with him? If you watch the mic'd up, he screams. Like he screams as he's going down and starts pounding the ground. It looked really bad. Uh, that was not the angle we saw in the broadcast, but he just has a knee sprain. It's not going to require surgery. He's going to be fine. Um, 
the Bengals, on the other hand, and we, we talked on it last podcast, we won't get too far into it. I don't think they're going to be fine. They're going to have to retool their entire offensive line and figure stuff out. And the narrative going around that I have seen now is the Bengals probably won't get back to a Super Bowl and never say never because anything can happen. We saw that this year, but it's going to be really tough for them to climb that mountain in the AFC again. So hopefully Burrow's good to go uh, for training camp and OTAs and stuff like that. He, he will be. And I know you saw the graphic. It was sent in our fantasy chat of the uh, all the quarterbacks that went to the Super Bowl in their first two years. None of them got back. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to believe that Burrow can be the guy to, to break that trend. Yeah, no, and their window is now because he's on a rookie deal for two more seasons, three more seasons. So if they're going to make free agent moves and try and fix the O-line, now is the time to do it. I know they should. They will be spending draft capital on that. Um, I think the way the draft order works is it's record up until the two teams that played in the Super Bowl. So they'll have the second to last pick. It might just be the team that won the Super Bowl picks 32nd. I'm not positive on that. So they'll be somewhere between like 23, 24, and 31. Um, So they could snag an O-lineman. They could sign some guys. They could make a couple deals. I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, I I was looking into that a little bit as well. Um, Looks like they have some, some free agents on defense. They're going to have to re-sign guys, but that also means they're probably going to have to lose guys as well. So I know last podcast, I was like, listen, as long as they just f- fix up the O-line, they should be fine. But it looks like, you know, they might have some other issues because you can't keep everyone from a Super Bowl team. Um, no, yeah. I mean, you can't. And their division's tough. I mean, the Browns imploded this year, but the Browns are not a bad team. They have a really good defense. They have a great run game. And if Baker's healthy, he's had one good season out of three. So I'm interested to see if he can rebound and do well. Um, I'm not saying he's a world-beating quarterback, but even on that team, if he just performs good enough and gets the ball to weapons, they could be a 10-win team. Baltimore could be a 10-win team. If Pittsburgh goes out and gets Jimmy G, that's complete speculation, but seems like a good move for them. They could make the playoffs. They still have a good roster. So no one is out of the question yet in that division. It's going to be really tough for them to climb the mountain and get back just in their own division, let alone the entire AFC. Going into the Super Bowl, I was like, Joe Burrow feels like he could be the Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning. Like, it, it, it it's definitely a, a wild stretch of comparing Burrow to Tom Brady, but that'd be a cool quarterback duel in the AFC, but then you also have Josh Allen. You also have Lamar. You have a ton of good quarterbacks, but Joe Burrow, man, he's swaggy. I, I'd love for him to get back, but it, it's just so tough in the AFC. Yeah, Welcome. I think out of all of those guys, besides like Mahomes, he might be the best quarterback at this point. I don't know how confident I am saying that, but I like him the best, especially in big moments. I just don't know if his team around him is going to be good enough to climb that mountain. I mean, Buffalo is going to be really hungry next year. And I don't know if I'm taking him over Josh Allen, if I'm completely honest with you. So we'll see. It's all again, going to depend who's hot, who's not at the end of the season, let alone the beginning of the season, who can stay healthy. They just played a ton of postseason games. So can they stay healthy all year next year? All of that remains to be seen. So speculating this early is difficult, but we shall see. I am skeptical. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, one last thing on the game. 
I've seen a lot of people, especially Bengals fans, complaining about the Logan Wilson holding call on Cooper Cup on the final drive that gave the Rams a first down on third down. I just want to say, that's a damned if you do, damned if you don't call. Because he did hold him. Now, there's an argument to say let the boys play. It was a minor hold. But he grabbed him, and Logan Wilson pulled himself forward with the momentum he used by grabbing Cup. It is a hold. If they don't call that, the same video circulating of the the mic'd up zoom in on it would be circulating saying, oh, that's a hold, and the Rams should have won the game. So just because you're a Bengals fan thinking that, and that's completely right, instead of comparing it to the pass interference call that wasn't called on the touchdown, just compare it to that play. If it goes the other way, there's going to be an equal amount of people upset about it, whether it be Rams fans, which I'm not sure exists, or betters online or people interested in the game are going to complain. So that is a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And I'm tired of people saying the NFL's rigged because of this. No, it's a really tough call to make in a really tight spot. The ref did see a hold and he threw the flag. And you know what? It was a hold. To In that 0.5 seconds between whether you throw the flag or not, to evaluate the totality of was it a close enough play of a hold to not call it is too difficult. He saw a hold, he threw the flag, and I'm okay with the call. Yeah, um, from my perspective, I would have, and like I've also seen people say like it's a makeup call for the pass interference that wasn't called earlier in the game. Dude, you can't be having a makeup call in the last two minutes of a Super Bowl. That's my perspective. I also am biased because I had, um, I live bet money line for the Bengals. So I was like, oh, fuck, man. These refs have Rams money line for sure. They for sure do. Um, you know, I would have loved to see no flags. I would have loved to just see see the boys go out there and play like you said. Um, you know, being a ref is an absolutely thankless job. Um, like you said, if they didn't call it, everyone's yelling at the refs. They yeah. did call it. Everyone's yelling at the refs. So what are you going to do, man? It's it, It's the hardest position like on the field like especially refing a, a football game like it's so, it's so physical how do you call anything like it, it's it's tough um I wish they didn't call it personally I don't really care though I, I've begun to just let go of the refs whatever they call they call that is what it is yeah I mean that that you, you put it perfectly it is what it is whatever they call they call if you don't call it again you're going to get the equal response the other way um, I, I, I wonder if the NFL released anything. About no, that. they didn't. They, they, I don't know if they do like the NBA. The NBA has a final two minute report where the league goes back and like decides whether calls were appropriate or not appropriate. I've never seen that for the NFL. I don't think they do that. I would like to see that going forward. That would be a good call, but they uh, did it. They did it for which game was it? The one where the ref called the whistle um when the, the Bengals, Bengals the Bengals yeah. game yeah the Bengals uh Raiders game yeah I think they released a statement for that um but yeah you, they did it a couple years ago for the non-PI call Rams Saints the first time the Rams made the Super Bowl in 2018 yeah I, I guess it's really just like blatant shit where people are like what the hell just happened no Either like how, how did you miss that or how did you not call it yeah the argument there is if you're saying that's not a hold, you're wrong. It was a hold. The argument you would be making was, well, it's a close enough play. It's the Super Bowl. Let them play on through the contact, which I'm okay with. But 
it was definitely a hold. He grabbed his jersey before the ball got there. So he would have caught the ball if he didn't grab his jersey. You, you can't really argue it wasn't a hold. So, I, I mean, them throwing the flag is understandable, and I, I support it. Yep. Whatever the refs do, man. Yeah. Whatever they want to do. It is kind of up to them. Uh, some cleanup from the mic'd up segment I saw. The clip of Joe Burrow going over to all the Rams defensive players and introducing himself. Like he goes up to Donald and he's like, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. And Donald walks by him. And then he goes up to Eric Weddle and he's like, Hey Eric, I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. And they, they're both like going back and forth. Like Weddle's like, I love your game. I love the way you play. Keep it up. And then Joe goes over to Vaughn Miller and he's like Vaughn. And he's like really skeptical. And he goes, Joe, nice to meet you, brother. Love your work. Just so wholesome and fun. And like, very Joe Burrow. And I, I kind of get what he's doing. He was trying to not make them hate him because later in the game, the entire Bengals pissed off Aaron Donald and you see it every week. If Aaron Donald gets a little bit pissed off, he turns it from a 10 up to a 12 and a half and he just goes nuts. He goes bananas. And I think he was trying to keep those emotions down on the other side, which is a very smart strategy move. He's also just a really nice guy. So like it could be part of that too, but that was really cool to see uh, Odell on the first or second drive when they or first drive, they scored a touchdown when they threw it to him. He asked Whitworth to spit on his gloves. He like put his hand up to his face mask oh and Whitworth God. did it. That's a weird oh move for God. Odell. Cause if you know a couple things about the scat man himself, Odell likes some weird yep. things in bed. So asking another man to spit on his hands was a little weird. Not going to lie. We don't kink shame on this podcast, but still a little fucking weird. Well, I mean, it's, it's on brand for Odell. It is. He had the, the, I don't know, ice King hair from adventure time going on. He's a weird cat, man. I like him, but he's a really weird cat. I love the purple hair. That was sick, in my opinion. It, it looked it, cool. It, it sucked to see him on the field crying with purple hair, but... Yeah, uh, I think yeah. another takeaway, because they did have the mic'd up for that in injury, Sean McVay loves his players, man. He was heartbroken when Odell went down, both because, you know, Odell's a great weapon and also because he knows how much Odell wanted it. And uh, it was just really interesting. They they had a lot of McVay and, Sean, and Zach Taylor. There was a point where... They cut to Zach Taylor's assistant, and he's like, you think he's giving up on the run? And Zach Taylor goes, I know he's giving up on the run. And then it cuts to McVay, and he just goes, guys, I'm not running the ball anymore. And that was in the fourth quarter before the last drive. What we were talking about uh, on our preview pod where both guys knew each other and both guys kind of knew what they were doing uh, and what each other were going to do. And I, it, it wasn't a super well-coached game, especially by McVay, but it was interesting to see that insight behind it. And then right before the final drive uh, on offense, McVay's going over to some of the guys, and then he just goes, you know what, fuck it, all the offense over here, and brings them all in, and he just goes over and over again, be in the moment, one play at a time, believe it, believe this shit, fucking believe this shit. And he's, like, hitting guys and getting them hyped. And he did the same thing to the defense before they went out in the final drive. He went over to Aaron Donald, and he goes, what else could you want? Cement your legacy. Do it here. Do it now. I don't think anyone's getting the boys pumped like McVeigh is. It, it was wild, man. Dude. And I said this a few weeks ago. Dude, he's 36 years old. I know. Like, he could do this shit forever. Like, I, I, I think when he took Jared Goff uh, 
when, when they went to the playoffs or when they went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, I was like, oh, he's going to be back every year. Now it's easier said than done, but God, like he, is he the reincarnation of Belichick? Like, is that the passing of the torch? I honestly think he's closer to say a Shanahan um, than he is Belichick or like a Bill Walsh. I don't want to make crazy comparisons because Bill Walsh is the second greatest coach behind Belichick, but he's an offensive mind and he has a way different way of doing things. Like he's almost closer to Parcells and how fiery he is than Belichick because Belichick isn't super fiery. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to get super hype over anything. Uh, But as far as like having a run, he could be, this is only the first Super Bowl, So we'll see. They don't have a super big window, but if they can retool on the fly, anything's possible. I mean, as a Packers fan and you as a Vikings fan, we'd hate to see it, but yeah. Um, speaking of the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, I think was officially, uh, sworn in as the Vikings head coach today, which was very cool. Sworn in, sworn in, baby, sworn in. He's the president now. No, um, it was cool. He brought his whole staff in. I'm not going to go over the whole staff because it doesn't matter. Uh, one thing, Mike Pettin is the assistant head coach. You're familiar with him from his time in Green Bay. Um, other than that, no names you would really know. He had a really good run with the Rams as the OC. I'm really excited to see what he does with the offense. Rumor has it they're going to try and make a run at Deshaun Watson, which I'm all in for. I'm excited. For the first time in a while, I'm excited. I mean, we all knew that he was getting signed and he was going to be the coach, but today it's official. He is the Vikings head coach and the rebuild begins. Well, if I can uh, maybe bring the, bring your bring your excitement down a little bit. Um, I don't know if you saw what Green Bay did this week. Uh, apparently they hired this guy, Tom Clements, as the quarterback coach, which the headline on ESPN was like the Packers – higher Rogers favorite as QB coach. So, I mean, no one knows what Rogers is going to do when he won the MVP. I'm not going to lie. The first time I heard it, it sounded like a, a, a farewell speech, but if they're bringing in Tom Clements, maybe that's a good sign that Packer, that Rogers is going to come back to the Packers, but shit, we'll have to see. I love this man. You're, as we said before, Every single Packers move is going to be, will he stay or won't he stay until it happens? And I don't think, I don't think any trade would happen before the league new year or even the draft. I think Rogers is going to drag this out again. I hope he leaves just for the Vikings sake, but I, I am leaning at this point to he'll probably stay there. I mean, what better situation is he going to find as long as they can bring everybody back? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. People were talking about Denver maybe, but like, I think the Packers also like the way the contracts are set up, they can pay him the most money. They can. Um, now yeah. they don't have any money to spend. So that, that yeah. probably means getting rid of Preston Smith and um, who am I, who am I blanking? Darius? It's a Darius Smith. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's not good news. It probably means losing Lazard and then you franchise tag Adams. We'll see. I don't know. It's going to be a mess with them. I, I don't think we're going to know anything until the league year starts. Yeah. So. I wouldn't be shocked if they trade Aaron Jones, if I'm being honest, to clear cap space. I know that sounds crazy, but they have Dylan. They're paying a rookie contract, and he was well, good enough. Yeah. No, I, I really think that's a great 
that's a great call because yeah. teams always hang on to these running backs too long. Yep. So, so if, if we could get, I don't know, like, what do you think you could get a second round pick or I don't really think it matters like, like what value you get back. To be honest, I think they would trade him for cap space because I could go on a rant about how important running backs are. They're just not like, unless you're one of four guys, Kamara, Dalvin cook, Derek Henry, maybe Christian McCaffrey's in that conversation. I don't know what the injuries now, but other than that, it really doesn't matter. Um, they're paying him a lot of money. He's a great dynamic game changer. And on a good team, he's a really good asset to have, but Dylan is still pretty damn good behind him. So they're going to have a decision to make there. Yeah, man, it's going to be, Oh God, I don't even want to think about it, bro. I don't even want to get stressed out right now because now I'm going to get in my head and I have no fucking control over it oh yeah. god i mean the, the vikings are in the same spot if it makes you feel better we have no cap room um and we're owed we're, we're gonna pay a guy 80 million dollars to stink at quarterback and that's fully guaranteed money so i don't know man i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do either because the cousins thing is an albatross and i don't know how you move on from it yeah i think both of us just have to pray that Dan Campbell doesn't get the boys ready and yep. that, Justin, that Justin Fields is just a flop. He is a flop, but you know, I'm just going to say he's a bears quarterback. You think they're going to develop him? Hell no, dude. It's the bears. They're going to suck balls again. Like that's what they always do. Um, I'll get some bears fans in my mentions being like, we have the one super bowl. Well, yeah, you, it's a crap franchise, man. Like, yeah, you got one super bowl cause you got lucky, but other than that, it's a very bad franchise. At least the Vikings win sometimes and never win the big game. So, yeah. So, so here's a question I have since we're transitioning off this. Into the NFL rumors segment of the pod, what is going on with Kyler Murray? Dude, he's, he's I'm hearing he's removing. He's like a, a teenage girl at the lunch table removing all her boyfriend's pictures off her Instagram. Like, what is this guy doing, man? Like, is this just like a diva? Like, explain it to me. Okay. So what happened was Kyler removed all of his posts on his Instagram, except one picture to Oklahoma. And I think it was one picture of him not in a football uniform. He might've been shirtless. I can't confirm that. He removed Arizona from his bio. Then the Cardinals deleted every photo they had on Instagram, except a picture of Kyler in a in a cardinals uniform and another picture that kind of matched what kyler had uh on his i guess to troll him whoever was in charge of that decision should probably be fired there's a rhetoric going around that he wants to get paid and this and that and this could be the reason my two cents on kyler murray is this his body language when he's coming off the field sucks you saw a guy in the Super Bowl in Joe Burrow going over to all of his teammates, getting them ready to go, checking in, making sure they were good, talking shop on the sidelines, all of that. And another guy in Stafford who's a little more reserved, but even he was doing it in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Kyler never does that. He goes to the end of the bench and he sits by himself. Now, Mahomes kind of did that this season, but Mahomes has earned that right at this point and also still goes over and talks to his receivers and talks to his line. Kyler's on the end of the bench by himself. The whole time. His body language is terrible. 
Personally, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. He makes really bad decisions with the football a lot, really reckless decisions. His footwork in the pocket is not great. Yes, he has an awesome arm. He can throw from every angle. And yeah, he's super fast, but he hasn't really developed that much in his time in the league besides his first to second year. I think he's got a little diva in him and a little diva syndrome. And as we've seen with quarterbacks, the thing you have to be above all else is a leader of men and clutch. And that's two things Kyler Murray has yet to prove that he is. I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm just saying he's yet to prove that Hopkins went out this year. That ruined him without his security blanket to throw jump balls and deep balls and take the top off. He wasn't capable of making systematic reads down the field and pushing the ball. So all of these things I think do come into play. And if you're the Cardinals, why would you pay him? You have him on a rookie deal so that you can take advantage of contracts like Hopkins, like AJ green. Some of these other guys, they brought in James Connor. If you pay him now, you're forfeiting that rookie contract window. And Kyler's got to be smart enough to know that and also want to win enough to know that. Like, hey, we're going to pay you when your contract's up. That's a given. We guarantee it. And I'm sure they've said that. But for now, we need to capitalize on the low cap hit to win a Super Bowl. And Kyler doesn't seem on board with that. And that's a huge red flag to go along with some of the other red flags I've seen. Yeah, like, is it because he won the Heisman at like, but like, if I say like he won the Heisman, he was a projected number one or first round pick top 10 pick in the MLB. Like is his head just too big for him? Yeah. hundred percent. But, like, but you, you can't even talk about the Heisman thing. Cause Burrow won the Heisman, but then with Burrow, he sat for years in college and then he got his two years at LSU won the big game. I mean, I don't know if Joe's just built different than Kyler like yeah Joe's got a better attitude I don't that's the whole point I'm making I don't think Kyler has the right attitude to be a winner in the NFL he's got a lot of Brett Favre in him and the difference between Kyler and Brett Favre is Brett Favre was a different breed throwing the football and he would throw in any window at any time and give his guys a chance and he did have a little bit of that knock it along with all of his teammates kind of be a dick in a different way I just don't think Kyler's Brett Favre like he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever so I I don't know, man. I, granted, he could come out next year, work really hard, galvanize the team, and prove all of us wrong. Because Peyton Manning early in his career had a little bit of this, minus the social media stuff, because it didn't exist in him. So, you know, he can, he can evolve. He can change. I, I just, right now, what I see is a spoiled brat who doesn't necessarily have the leadership qualities I'd like to see in my franchise quarterback. So does he want out? or? No, I think he just wants money. I think he just wants to be paid. And to be honest, I don't really think he cares where he plays because he seems very indifferent to all of his teammates, which is, again, a huge red flag. Yeah, like, I, I know we're just on a podcast talking about sports, but, like, bro, you make so much money already. Yeah. But compared to everyone else in the country and the world, like, I mean, hey, hey, he's, he's doing his job. If he wants more money, all power to him, just like you and me. But, like, bro, just – like you look at Rodgers, as soon as he got the big deal, it's hard to bring in more weapons. It's hard to bring in the pieces you need. Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to face this in a few years when they have to pay him $500 million. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at, look at Seattle. Russ said, hey, the first four years, I'll play out my rookie deal. Let's go get all the free agents and win a championship because that's what I want to do. Then pay me. Mahomes essentially did the same thing. And then he got a huge contract. He got rewarded. That's how this works. Kyler 
is got a little bit of NBA star in him where he's like, I don't really care about the team. I won't get paid. Well, that might work when there's five guys on a court in an NBA game, but that shit doesn't fly in the NFL and you're going to alienate dudes in your locker room. They want to take advantage of paying him as little as possible right now to win a championship. And Kyler's got to want to win a championship and buy into that. And it seems like he's not buying in at all. That's tough. It's tough to see. I mean, it, it, dude, the Cardinals were the first seed in the NFC for most of the year until they started sitting out, until he got injured. Um, Hopkins was out. Like, they were a good team this year already. Like, just keep that rolling, Kyler. Get to get to get past the first round of the playoffs, then start asking for more money. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I never like talking about another man's bank account. If you can get a bag, get a bag. I can't say. Well, I can say I would act different in that situation because football is a team sport. And if you love football and love playing football, your ultimate goal should be winning. And you might have to sacrifice early on for that, but he will get rewarded. The baseball stuff, some of the other stuff, I'm not sure if Kyler even loves football that much. Now, that's a huge leap and that's a huge assumption, but it's a little bit of the Ben Simmons situation, you know, and I don't know how to read it. People that are saying, ah, it's just social media. It's no big deal. Nah, he, he intentionally archived all those posts and, and so did the Cardinals. Like something is going on. So I don't know. It's not a good sign, put it that way. And I don't think it's a bad sign for the Cardinals. I think it's a really bad look for Kyler Murray. And I think it justifies a lot of people's qualms about his body language, about the way he carries himself, about the leader that he is or lack thereof we'll see how it plays out. I don't have a lot of confidence in him moving forward. He's going to have to prove me wrong. Totally agree. Another NFC quarterback we got to worry about. Yeah, man. I, all of the dramas in the NFC right now, which is crazy. That division's going to be nuts next year because the Rams are going to be back and still pretty good, but Seahawks is their quarterback on the 49ers is their quarterback on now the Cardinals is their quarterback on. I don't know, man. It's going to be crazy. Love it. Best entertainment in the world, man. All the storylines, what they do on the field. Gotta love it. Gotta love it, man. This is, this is more NBA territory with the social media stuff, but we're moving into a new era of the NFL. Uh, speaking of new eras, how about a little new era on this podcast? Start our little betting corner. In fact, Finney's betting corner. Who do you like this weekend? Do you have anything that you like? that you see on the schedule that you think's a lock or anything like that? Dude, I am looking at some college basketball on Saturday. There are a good amount of ranked teams playing, including some ranked teams playing each other. Um, first game I'm looking at is Texas Tech at Texas. There's no lines out for these game because, games because it is um, Thursday when we're, when we're recording it. So you'll have, to, you'll have to look for these lines. But the ESPN Power Index and the Matchup Predictor has Texas, the 20th-ranked team in the country against Texas Tech, the 11th-ranked team. The Matchup Predictor has Texas Tech – or, sorry, Texas winning 61.6% of the time. Where is that game being played? It looks like at Texas – Okay, um, that's huge because st- 
in Austin. It's in Austin. Storyline of that game is former Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard left Texas Tech after signing a huge deal and is now the head coach at Texas. If that game was in Texas Tech, I think they already played there earlier this year, and he got, like, death threats, people screaming at him off the bus and flipping him off and throwing stuff at the bus and at him. It's in Texas. I like Texas in that game just because – Chris Beard's a great coach and he knows every player on that team at Texas tech. Sure. Um, going back to um, it was February 1st, Texas tech played Texas at home. So it was at Texas tech. They won 77 to 64. Um, you know, it, I mean, th- this is one of the ranked games on Saturday. It is at 1230 PM. So if you're not doing anything and you want to watch some college hoops, I think this is, Definitely a game to watch. You're seeing Texas Tech averaging 74 points a game to Texas's 69. Nice. Um, nice. Points allowed. Texas Tech is, is doing a little bit better defensively, um, but Texas Tech is shooting at a higher field goal percentage. They're getting more rebounds. The assists are pretty even. The steals are pretty even. I've been hearing a lot of people love a, a nice future on Texas Tech to win to win the tournament. Um, you know, maybe just to take a flyer on it might not be a bad pick. I'm actually leaning Texas tech on the road, the road dog. I know it's disgusting. It, it, it hurt me to pick the, the Bengals plus four in the Super Bowl. So I'm all about the picks that are, uh, a little bit uncomfortable to take, but if we transition to another ranked game going on at 1 PM that day, we got Kentucky versus Alabama. Alabama was, um, these are two SEC schools coming at it. Kentucky is ranked, or they're projected on the matchup predictor, 86% chance to win. We all know Kentucky. We all know Calipari. Um, It was a low-scoring game relatively the first time they played. Um, I would look for Kentucky to win again at home. Kentucky on uh, February 5th beat Alabama at Alabama by 11 points. Um, So you can throw those two games into a parlay. And the last game I'm looking at is, um, I got it here, Auburn, the number two ranked team in the country at Florida. Spicy. Dude, I, could this be a trap spot for Auburn? Auburn. Yeah. I I don't know. You you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. It's about the time of year where Florida starts pulling some upsets at home. It does feel like that. I, I do like Florida in that game. Auburn seems like they're overachieving just a bit. Auburn's good. They are um, good. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't saying they're not a great team. Yeah. They are. It just feels like they're overachieving just a little. I, again, it's tough for me to give out some of these picks because I don't know what the lines are right now. But yeah, exactly. If you're talking about a 24 and two Auburn team, 12 and one in conference, going to Florida, so they're going to Gainesville against a 16 and 10 Florida Gators team that's six and seven in conference. Are they going to come out thinking, damn, who are these scrubs we're playing? Like we're Auburn. We're better. We're, we're 24 and two. We're number two ranked in the country. How are they going to come out and play? I could see the Gators coming out, be scrappy. They haven't been outstanding all year. They're not ranked. Um, God, it's tough. They're, they're right in the middle of the SEC. Um, in their conference, Auburn's right at the top. I would maybe put a little uh, little money line sprinkle on the Gators. Have fun with that. 
that's a 2 p.m. game. So all the games I gave you, you might need to might need to have three TVs up or minimize the windows on your computer if you're watching so you can get all the games in it at, at the same time. But those are the games I'm looking at for Saturday. Yeah, man. I mean, a little more on Florida. They're coming off a loss, Texas A&M. They got obliterated by Kentucky, who is my favorite to win the title this year. I really like Kentucky. They're on a little bit of a slide. I could totally see a scenario where Auburn overlooks them a little bit. They're not a great team this season, but if you're looking for a spicy, fun mid-afternoon, throw some money at something and, and watch possible upset, I don't hate that pick at all. This, this could be a double-digit spread, too. I mean, I would just rather take the money line with them and just root for a big upset. Yeah, I mean, that's um, what you got to do. Listen, guys, it, this is not my mortal lock of the year. This is not my five-star play. But the money line's probably going to be very enticing. And yeah, I, I could see it. I, um, I like it. I like it. And that's a, that's a tournament game for Florida. I mean, if you win that game, you're 17 and 10, and that adds to your resume of beating the number two overall team with only four games remaining after that. So yeah, that could be, that could be a big game and it could jumpstart yeah. some stuff for them. On my end, I'm going to hit on some NBA all-star stuff. Uh, three-point contest. I really like C.J. McCollum this year. He is nowhere near the betting favorite. A lot of people are putting money on Patty Mills. A lot of people are putting money on Desmond Bain. McCollum just got traded. He's competed in the event a bunch of times. He knows the event. I just like him in this. I He doesn't have nearly the best three-point percentage, but I think familiarity could win out. He's competed really close with Steph in recent years. I, he's a sleeper according to the odds. So yeah, I'd look, I'd look at CJ McCollum in the three point contest. And if you want, if there's one event to watch all-star weekend, I would watch the three point contest. Um, if you're betting on the dunk contest, take either Obi Toppin or Cole Anthony. I I ripped on Cole Anthony, but he's the short guy in the competition and judges tend to favor uh, the short guys who can dunk and do crazy stuff. Obi Toppin is an absolute power dunker and can throw down some sick moves. We talked about it again. He can fly. He's the fun guy to bet on because I think he's got the best chance to pull out something cool. Yeah, I'm looking at this right now, too. Uh, Obi Toppin on my book, I see plus 175. Um, I, I know I know. on Monday <clears throat> or on Tuesday, we both liked Obi Toppin. So I, I think if, if we're going to go with a consensus pick yeah, for, Obi. For, for the slam dunk, yeah. And I'm seeing CJ McCollum at plus a thousand. Yeah. His odds are really good. People do not think he has a chance because he's had a down year shooting the ball, but what they don't realize is this isn't in-game shooting. This is literally shooting off a rack in a gym. And I think if you're going to take a gamble on anything this weekend, you don't have to throw any money on that. Really? Uh, You could throw 10 bucks on it and, and win if he wins. And I like him. I I like him and Desmond Bain is the safe pick I would take. Okay, let's let's get really uh, suspect right now, Eric. Yeah, I need an All Star Game MVP pick. I know the All Star Game you. for the NBA is bullshit, but I got one. I got one on lock here for you, John Morant. Dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, this has been the John Morant season, um, and I just think he's gonna come out and ball. I mean, Memphis is great, but they're not getting as much attention. They're getting more now because of their record and because of the way that they are playing. Uh, but. I like Morant to come out and ball, dude. I, they, he's got the Grizzlies at 41 and 19. They are third in the Western Conference. They're four games up on Utah for the four spot. 
yeah, I, I mean, I really like Morant. If you want to look at a deeper cut, I think Trey Young is an option that you could look at because that's another team that hasn't had a great season and he's tailor-made for the all-star game to come out and take super long threes, uncontested floaters because no one's going to close in in the paint. But Morant's the guy, I think, because he's going to have a 360 layup. He's going to have a sick dunk and an alley-oop. We'll get some points. We'll get some assists. I think he's a really good option. I, I love that. Like if, if so, if we have two consensus picks, it would be John Morant and Obi Toppin. Yeah. So I love I, it. I mean, if you want to look at the obvious pick, LeBron's playing it in Cleveland. So he might just decide that he's going to win it and then hog the ball the whole time. But so I, I doubt it. I, I think it'll be Morant or Young. I, I don't think LeBron gives a shit about all-star game MVP anymore. No, and I think, you know, Morant, the young, John Morant, the young guy coming in, let's just feed him the ball. Let's get him 40 points in the all-star game. Yeah, I will say the one thing about LeBron, if he does win all-star game MVP, he'll tie Kobe Bryant and Bob Pettit for most all-star game MVPs all time. Huh. So like that is one narrative and it's in Cleveland, but again, Morant and Trey Young are my picks because LeBron's odds are ass. Everyone expects him to win. Yeah. Cool. Cool, dude. So, so that's the betting corner, guys. We'll check in on uh, check in check back in on Tuesday. We'll see how we did. <laughs> yeah, man. I I'm excited for that Florida pick. I actually am probably gonna put some money down on that. I I really like that as a sleeper, a crazy upset because it is college basketball. It's the same thing as college football. Anything can happen. Uh, transitioning from the All Star game into the NBA, I watched the Sixers play the Celtics on Tuesday. No, I don't want to talk about it. Yes, I need to seek mental help after watching that. Um, they were down 50 at one point. Oh my it, God. it was one of the worst games I've ever seen the Sixers play. They ended up losing 135 to 87. Just want to go over one thing real quick. The Sixers shot 28% from the field and 25% from three. They took 32 threes. They made eight. They took 80 shots. They made 23. At the end of the first quarter, it was 32 to 22. And at the end of the second quarter, it was 69 to 44. <laughs> so not good. On the other end, the Celtics made 25 of 45 threes. Oh my 25 God. of 40. They could not miss. I mean, Tatum and Brown were, and we were contesting them. They were just taking ridiculous shots. Everything was going in. You knew in the first 10 minutes, the Sixers weren't going to win this game. A storyline to watch going forward. Al Horford locked up Joel and he does that just about every time they play. And the Celtics do a really good job at doubling Joel and rotating. I hate the Celtics. I really don't want to see them in the playoffs, but they're on a tear right now. They've moved to sixth in the East. They're only a game and a half behind the Sixers for the five spot. The Sixers do have help on the way. It's now been reported. James Harden will suit up for the Sixers after the all-star break. So I expect him to play the first game after the all-star break, which is the end of next week. Um, that's going to change the com completely change the dynamic of the team. I, I think a lot of that game on Tuesday was Embiid already starting to adjust based on what the practice with Harden was to a new way of playing. Um, and Embiid didn't have a good game. Uh, and you know what? I'm not going to blame him because that's going to happen. Uh, he shot. Do you do three of nine? He only had 19 points, which for him is nothing. He only had nine rebounds, and he was a negative 34. The Sixers' starting lineup 
Danny Green, negative 21. Matisse Thibel, negative 29. Joel, negative 34. Tobias Harris, negative 40. Tyrese Maxey, negative 34. It was a bad game, and that's just going to happen. So I'm not super worried. It was just really, really brutal to watch. The Sixers are still 6-4 six and four in their last 10. Like I said, Boston is 9-1 and one in their last 10. They're on a tear, and I hate to see that. But I think the whole landscape could shift because I think the Hawks could get hot in the second half. I think the Nets could get hot. I think the Sixers could get hot. The Cavs are playing really well ahead of the Sixers. The Bucks and the Sixers are playing right now on TNT. We're recording this at 8.57. That game started at 8.30. And they're a game up on the Sixers for the three spots. So if the Sixers win tonight, they're going to move ahead of both Cleveland and Milwaukee because Cleveland has the night off and they'll be in the three spots. So, again, it's not a panic mode. It was just a rough game to watch. Yeah, and to all the Sixers fans listening, I'm sorry. That was the first NBA game I bet on all year, and I took the Sixers. So mushed it. You're you're welcome. <laughs> I threw twenty bucks on Sixers money line at the half because it was like plus seventeen hundred, and it just it just got worse from that. We were pre- prepping for the uh, Good Soup podcast, so I turned the game off in the third quarter. We watched G Force, the Disney movie. Um, check that out. That'll come out the same day this comes out today, Friday. So, yeah my delusional ass saw him down like 20 and I was like, ah, oh, it's the NBA. Anyone can come back from 20 and they lost by almost 50 points, bro. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Another NBA note I want to make. I watched the Lakers play the jazz last night. First time I've seen the Lakers look good. When I've watched them this season, Russ was passing and cutting and trying on defense. I was like, who am I watching right now? This is not Russell Westbrook. He looks engaged and not being a dick. Um, LeBron just hitting deep dagger threes. Austin Reeves hit a dagger. He had an and one late. The Jazz played well and the Lakers just played better. I mean, Donovan Mitchell in the first half, I was watching the game. I think Ian Eagle was on the call and he just goes, Donovan Mitchell is hotter than, and then as he's saying it, he hits a three, like a pull up from way deep. And he just goes, he's hotter than fish oil right now. Or like, what it's something like 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 i think it was fish oil like cooking fish oil and i was like that was a really weird call um really weird announcing move by him but mitchell was hot jazz were playing well lakers came back and won that game late ad is out again he sprained his ankle in this game i want to talk about this for a minute because charles barkley got roasted a couple years ago and he's kept calling ad street clothes as his nickname because he doesn't ever play but I'm all in on that. I, I mean, the best, avail- the best ability is availability. And Anthony Davis is never on the court. He's always hurt. And I don't think it bodes well for the Lakers because Russ is a ticking time bomb to when that just goes so bad it's nuclear. LeBron's there with a bunch of scrubs around him under the assumption that AD will be there to help him. But AD is not a safe bet to play. And if he does play this season, he is not a safe bet to play well. Yes, they won. Yes, they looked good. They're not a great team. Right now, they're the nine seed in the West. They're 27 and 31. Three and seven in their last 10. Russ doesn't fit. We've talked about it. I'm not going to shit on him more because it's just going to sound like I'm piling on. But the rest of the team around those guys, minus Malik Monk, is not very good. I mean, Stanley Johnson's playing big minutes. That's a red flag. If Anthony Davis can't be on the court, which he's proven time and again he can't, I wouldn't even bet on the Lakers to win a play-in game if they get in. 
you know, right now, I mean, it's obviously the all-star break, but the Clippers are eighth, like a Clippers uh, Lakers playing game and the Lakers lose. Oh, that'd be so tough. I mean, by the time the playoffs come around, you have to imagine Kawhi's back. So, I mean, that's, he could take LeBron out of the game. Maybe I don't really know what Kawhi is at this point in his career anyway, because he hasn't played all season, but he could come back and be Kawhi again. They're not going to catch the Nuggets are 33 and 25. There are full six games up on them for the sixth spot. I don't think they're going to catch the Nuggets. The Nuggets have a million injuries, but if you're asking me whether I'd have Jokic or LeBron right now, I'll take Jokic. I know that's sacrilegious, but LeBron's kind of old. He's still a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's still top 10 guy. Jokic might be the best player in the league. So it's coming off an MVP season. He could win another one. Uh, and beats the front runner clearly, but Jokic isn't far behind him. Yeah, I was, I was, I, sorry, I was, I was playing ball at the park uh, last weekend, and I was, I was playing one on one versus this kid, and he was like, "You remind me a little bit of Jokic. You dribble, you dribble kind of slow. You put your body into me. He's like, yeah, you got that Jokic in you. I was like, all right, I mean, an MVP candidate, give me that. I shit, man. If you're getting Jokic comps at the park, that's pretty lit. <laughs> I never get Jokic comps. I get um Peyton Pritchard comps a lot. Hey, you remind me of that white guy on the Celtics who shoots the ball off the dribble a lot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, he's also short. And I'm like, thanks, man. Feels good. Feels good. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting seven footer, like foreign guy, MVP. Generational player. I've played yeah. basketball my whole life and hone in on my skills. And I'm getting comp to Peyton Pritchard and JJ Redick. Yeah. Meanwhile, I get like, just obliterated in the game it's like well i mean i don't know jokic wouldn't have lost 11 to 3 but you just gotta box okay. out you're a bigger dude you just gotta box out man i mean i get rebounds and that's just because i'm throwing this this fat ass around you know getting yeah, well, in the it, trenches getting boards dude it was one-on-one -on -one and i was gassed bro it, it was bad I, I gotta get back out there i gotta get my win back in me dude i don't play one-on-one -on -one anymore i'm too old it's we're running fives and you can have me on a leak out on a fast break three times a game that's about it. I got to play defense and shoot threes. I know my role. As Belichick would say, do your job. That's my job, baby. I just want to stay on the court and win some games. Uh, my last NBA note, I just want to give some shine to DeMar DeRozan. He became the first player in NBA history to score 35 or more points and shoot 50% or better in seven consecutive games. Wilt Chamberlain did it six did six straight of those games twice in his career during 1960-61 and 1962-63 seasons. That's insane. Like, what we've seen as an evolution of DeMar this late in his career is incredible. I saw some pieces come out about his time in Toronto where he didn't really get that much better, and a lot of it was his dad was dying, and he would have to fly from Toronto to the West Coast to L.A., every single like week, multiple times, even after games. And that's taxing. And that takes time away. He went to San Antonio. He got better. He's come to uh, Chicago and used all of the tools that he learned under pop and all of the abilities that he got better in and has honed his craft to a point where he's going to be a first team, all NBA player this year. There's no way you can deny him of that. It's wild to see. Cause you don't, you don't see this out of a guy who's 32 years old. Uh, it's kind of unprecedented. Yeah, and he's got good young players around him, too. He can be that vet role on the Bulls. So, I mean, his per 36 
minute stats this year are insane. He's averaging 28.4 points per game, only 2.4 turnovers per game, five assists, five rebounds. He's shooting 51% from the field and 34% from three previous seasons per 36 minutes, 20, 21, 25% from three, 1920, 25% from three, 1819, 15% from three. The last season he shot 30% from three was 17, 18 in Toronto. So it's wild. And he's averaging 1.8 attempts, which is his highest since that 17, 18 season in Toronto. So he's shooting the ball a lot better. We know about his mid range. We know about the fact that he takes a lot of shots at the basket, but he's making more threes this season. And he's been quite incredible overall. I mean, his regular statistics, not per 36 minutes, he's averaging 28.1. That's wild. Um, That is a seven point jump from last season is the highest in his career. And he's doing it at 32 years of age. Absolutely incredible. 35 points at 50% shooting. That is absurd. Yeah, man. I, he's nuts. And, and he's got the bulls in the one seed right now. So I, I like some of the stuff. I like uh, Dusunmu, the kid from Illinois who they got. He's a rookie. He's really versatile. He can play some defense. He's really smart. He knows his role. He knows how to fit in. They're going to get Lonzo back in the fold full-time. They're going to get Caruso back in the fold full-time. They're not going anywhere. Do I think they could beat, say, the Sixers or the Bucks or the Heat in a playoff series? Probably not. I think they could beat Cleveland. I think they could beat Boston, Toronto, Brooklyn, the Hornets, the Hawks, any of those teams. So I, I don't know. We'll see. They, they could kind of create their own destiny. If DeRozan's playing like this, they could beat anybody. And if, if they hang on to the number one home court in the NBA, you, you want to have a game seven at your place. Hell yeah, you do. And Chicago will be buzzing if they do. Um, he's had a remarkable season. Just wanted to give him a shout out. So to close the podcast down, I just want to talk baseball for a minute. We had the update on the season, maybe not starting on time, spring training. Well, spring training date is coming and going. And the owners and the players met today. Reports said it was a 15-minute meeting, and the owners will not budge on delaying arbitration time. And the players said they won't budge on the owner's stance on arbitration. And the players also said the meeting today was completely unproductive. It was a shouting match, and they walked out after 15 minutes. It really seems like opening day is destined to be delayed. I don't see how they start this season on time. God, that's so – like. I don't know. I wish they could work it out. I wish we didn't have to cover this. I wish we could see some pitchers and catchers throwing down in Florida. I mean, we have free agents who aren't signed. We have big free agents who aren't signed. So there's got to be a free agent period before they can even start warming up or do anything. I mean, the Phillies are sitting here. They had to get a center fielder and a left fielder and some pitching help and some other positions, some middle infielders. They can't do anything. I know they were talking to Nick Castellanos, which would be sick before, you know, all of this lockout stuff happened, but we're going to have to get those guys signed. There's going to have to be a period where they can sign. Then there's going to have to be a training period for pitchers to warm up and hitters to warm up. Then they're going to start playing games. That training period is going to be crunched down. Guys aren't going to be ready to play. And the product's going to be terrible for the first month of the season. A lot like you saw uh, with the NFL coming out of COVID and even this year with uh, the shortened training camp. 
how a lot of the games early in the season were terrible. Shout out the Packers, shout out the Patriots for losing week one to the Dolphins. Like it, we're going to see the same thing. And I don't know how this gets resolved because it seems like the players are done settling and the owner's unprecedented greed is reaching new heights. That's sad, bro. I don't know. So how, how do you get through it? The owners have to realize that no one gives a shit about them. We want to see the product on the field. Shortening arbitration will only benefit the owners. It will not benefit the players and it will not benefit the fans. That is a one-sided move that we don't care about. All of the owners' points they're trying to do is to make more money, but you already make enough fucking money. So chill out. I'm not saying cave on everything, but give the players some of the things that they want for one damn time in one sport and maybe mend the relationship that the owners broke during the COVID lockout. They owe the players that. And I side with the players. I don't always do this, but I side with the players. I understand where they're coming from. They were mistreated during the COVID lockout and the owners are trying to pull the same playbook where they can pay them for a shortened season and pay them less money. And I'm tired of it. It's sickening, man. It's tough. I'm not even a baseball guy, but it's like, can we just work this out? Yes. Come on. The problem is in all these sports, the arbitrators or arbiters, excuse me, are the um, commissioners of the league or they're appointed by the commissioners of the league. So they're just the owner's selected choice and -hmm. nothing's going to get sorted out. I think any rational person would be like, okay, let's find a middle ground between both sides here. But the owners are like, nah, we're not budging on any of our demands. You're either going to accept it or not play. And the players have all the leverage because baseball's already at a low point in popularity, especially for early season games. If you bring in replacement players, if you bring in scabs to play those games, I'm not going. I'm not watching. Fuck that shit. It's going to be a terrible product. So they don't have any leverage there. And that also means all the minor league teams are locked out. So it's not like you can just pull guys up from the minors. You're going to have to sign, you know, Joe Schmo off the street to come in and play. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And the fact that it was a 15-minute meeting today that ended in a shouting match is a horrible sign for this season getting underway anytime before May. Well, hey, dude, that sounds like uh, some good news for me and you. Shout out to the to the Eagles guy. I played two years, varsity. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe we, we go try out, that. man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I never played this. Bro, I, I, I was in a men's softball league. Did shit, man. I, I would not be able to hit a fastball, but I'd love to show up. Maybe I could be a catcher. Who yeah, knows? open tryouts, man. I don't know. <laughs> we crossed that picket line. We might get shit on. And I'll just have to turn around and be like, hey, man, I'm a podcaster. Like. I don't play baseball. I'm just here for the memes. Content is king, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really all I got, brother. We got NBA All-Star Weekend. We'll wrap that up on Monday. We'll see if our bets hit or not. And we'll continue to move forward with life without the NFL. And honestly, without the NBA, because it'll be All-Star break uh, beginning of the week. So it'll probably be a slow sports week, but we'll try, we'll trudge on, man. We'll, we'll hit in some college basketball pretty hard. We got conference tournaments coming up soon. I, I cannot wait dude. conference tournament time. That's when you start kicking it into gear. You can look for some good upsets. Um, and then you roll that right into March madness. Let's dude, there's go. nothing like the first two rounds of March madness where you just sit at home and watch flip the channels, watch all the games. You got your bracket ready. Reminder, we're going to have the good soup bracket challenge. Please join. I have a question for you. 
Are you a handwritten bracket guy or always online bracket guy? I, I love the handwritten bracket. Oh, I do too, dude. It, I, I always with... fill mine out by hand too. Oh yeah. Cause that's how you get the feel of it, you know? Yeah. And you, you got, I got two monitors in front of me. I'm looking at all the advanced stats. I'm, I'm crunching the numbers. And sometimes it's just a feel when you're looking at that bracket and you're like, damn, does, does Yale have it this year? Holy does that, does, does that Ivy league that. team have it this year? I was thinking Yale. I was like, is Yale, I was about to say is Yale a 12 seed. Cause God damn it. They're looking hot. They're looking spicy. They're looking <laughs> thick for that pick. I am the opposite. I used to get really into it and pick analytically when I watched a lot of college basketball. Now I just pick randomly because I've come to realize that the people that don't watch college basketball always win the bracket challenge. Oh, going back to high school, it was like the one kid that really looked into basketball and kind of knew, but also winged it a little bit. That kid won. And then I would come in second and I didn't watch a single college basketball game all year when I was in high school. So it was like, I just picked like, okay, for this game, I'm going to pick the lower seed, but for this game, I'm just going to, I don't know. That team sounds cool. Yeah. But that, that'll be fun. I cannot wait for those podcasts. It'll Growing be up, my mom, every selection Sunday would print four brackets for our house, fill them all out by hand because the teams aren't loaded into them. And then we'd all pick by Tuesday. That was the rule. And this is before the play-in game. It used to just start on Thursday, but we'd all pick by Tuesday. And then all the brackets would be taped to the wall. And if your team won, you crossed them. Our team won, you highlighted them. And we each had a different color highlighter. highlighter. And if your team lost, you crossed them out. And at the end of each round, she would tally the points. And uh, there was no prize for winning in the house. It was just you could troll everyone else the entire year until next March. So... It's, it's a part of my blood. It's a part of my DNA. And it's probably for a guy who doesn't really watch college basketball, my favorite sporting event of the year. I mean, it, it, it really cat like takes over the whole country. Like people in office buildings around the country are filling out brackets and giving $20 to the accounting guy on the floor. Yeah. For, and people don't even know. They're just like, shit, 20 bucks. I can win. I can win a few hundred. Let's do it. My, yeah. I will say the first two sets of games. So the first week it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. After that, I am a little more tuned out. Like the sweet 16 is cool, but once there are less games going on, it's less fun. But that first two days where you're just flipping the channel, you're like, did this team win? Did this team win? And there's buzzer beaters and there's upsets and they're back to back to back. It's so much fun. And conference tournaments are like that too, man. It's, it's going to be a great, few weeks of sports i can't wait no doubt get your extra tvs out so you can watch every channel damn right well i think that's a wrap for us tonight don't forget check out www.goodsoup.blog and uh if you like the podcast like subscribe download it helps us out a lot this has been the victory formation podcast and we'll be back to you guys on tuesday Have a great President's Day, y'all. Peace. I keep that thing on me. God damn it, Bobby. They see me selling propane and now they trying to copy. Pretend to be broke, but I got hella cash. If you use charcoal, I'ma kick your ass. Made this money from propane, bitch. 
I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. That's my purse, I don't know you. If you running up, then I pull out this 32. Bitchy's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew. I got rats on rats, and you ain't got a clue. God damn it, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. When I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit up. Oh man, goddamn. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Better go kick my dad in the balls. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Oh man, goddamn. Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy. I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy. All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass, jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man. Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man. I'm about to kick you out of the house.